Guess what we just did. Did we just see a movie? I think so. I think we did. Hey guys, we just saw a movie. Yes. And that movie we saw was? Just Mercy. Just Mercy. By the way. By the what? What way? This is Michelle. Wait. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Chili Peppers. Uh, This is Josh. Yeah. Introduce ourselves in case you haven't listened before. You don't know us. Maybe you don't care. You just want to hear what we say. This is a podcast about how we go to the movies and see movies and then talk about them and spoil them. So if you don't want them spoiled, don't watch them. But if you're a, a parent with a newborn, you probably will love this podcast. So for the next five years, you won't be watching anything. And we'll be your only you way of knowing. You can listen to us. We'll yeah. tell you what happened. Yeah. And then when you go of. to dinner parties and things like that, dinner parties, who, who with a newborn had to go to dinner parties? No, but none of our friends movies, do. So they're not but, going to dinner parties. But if they do end up in a conversation at a checkout line while buying formula at 2 a.m., and someone asks you, have you seen Just Mercy? You could say, yeah, no. I know about it. No, but I listen to oh, this amazing they, 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 podcast. There we go. Where you they should, talk about it. Yes. And they advertise for us. Yes. And then you say, hey, look up this podcast called, hey, we just saw a movie. <laughs> we just saw a podcast. We just saw a movie. And if you do that, check your mailbox. There will be mail in it, but not from us. No checks. No, because we got nothing. We got nothing. So, just mercy. Just mercy. Where to begin? Where? Yeah, there's a lot to begin. Well, it set it up for us. What All is right. it, What is it about? So, Just Mercy is about lots of people, really. It's about death row. <laughs> it's about the justice system. It's about Alabama. But what is the like? What would what would you say? Like, it's about like the okay. crux of it. The, it's yeah, it's totally about a ton of things. Right, right. The two lines. All right. So, uh, there's a gentleman on death row who is innocent of his crime, and um, the lawyer who comes to his aid. To uh, try and rectify this issue. And hilarity ensues. Right. Yes. No, there is no hilarity. Unjust, There's a few funny moments, but yeah. no hilarity. Unjust hilarity ensues. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, Jamie Foxx, um, Michael B. Jordan, Brie Larson. So we have two Academy Award winners and probably one soon to be uh, leading up, you know, rounding out the top billing. Um and so, yeah, uh, Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Jamie Foxx is the convicted felon, uh, Johnny B., right? Johnny is his, B., Walter, is his nickname. Walter Johnny B. McMillan. Yeah, so uh, he's he's been accused of a crime uh, while after cutting some wood <laughs> in the woods, and uh, they bring him in. And then Michael B. Jordan, fresh out of law school, comes on the scene and wants to take up his case after a number of years of him being in jail, right? He's had yes, multiple I think public he's defenders. Been, it seems like he's been in jail three or four years by the time Michael B. comes around. Um, maybe five years, I don't know, something like that. It's kind of weird because the movie opens up with a year and then doesn't really say a year until like 90% through the movie. Right. It's He's arrested in the 80s and then the next date we see is 1992, I believe it was, 92, yeah. 93, when he started seeking appeals. And we forgot to mention, in case you don't know, this is based on a true story. Yes. And as we've said in previous based on true stories, we'll be speaking to the movie and not to the actual facts. So when we comment about people 
we don't know who what the real people actually did. So when we talk bad about the DA or what, I don't know what the DA. We don't. He know was probably you. a racist, but whatever. <laughs> you know. Or she. We. It we could have been a dog. Know. They were racist, um, but yeah. So he goes about trying to upturn, up, upheld, uphold this conviction. Is that lawyer no, speak? Appeal. Appeal. Sorry. Upend. Upend. I I watched that YouTube lawyer show. Wasn't it Legal Eagle? But I, I don't know much. We are not stuff. legal eagles. No, we are not at all. We're just hatchlings. Um. So, we are. What did you think? What did you think about this film? Amazing. I went in. I knew it was going to be hard. Um. Just with the subject matter. Um. Michelle's very sensitive. I'm very sensitive in a, in a good way, not like teasing. Right. Um. And there's a lot of layers to the injustice is going on. So it wasn't just that it was a wrongfully convicted man on death row. There's a lot going on. It was the eighties. It's the South. It's a black man, black lawyer. Um, so there was just a lot, a lot depicted in this film. Um, but it was a very good film. Um, I think that a lot of people should see it. Um, I, like the message basically that I think it was portraying of you need mercy and it needs to be just, you need just mercy, <laughs> you know? Um, it's not that you just need mercy. It's that you need just mercy. Hmm. So I didn't think about that. Um, you know, these movies make me very sad and angry at some point. I wish that I was in the scene because I wanted to punch someone in the face so hard um, for what he was, the character was going through. Um, there's a scene that I'm not a violent person, but every now and again, there's a movie that if I were holding up a, a book at a popcorn, I probably would have thrown it if, you know, at least in my mind, I was throwing things at this character. So, um, Michael B has, uh, moved from Harvard to where were they? Monroeville. Monroeville, Alabama? Something with Monroe in it. Anyhow, moved to Alabama specifically to start this um, equal justice initiative. Pretty sure that's what it was called. Yeah. And so he's going to the jail um, to uh, meet up with some folks and get their stories and see who he can help. But before he's even allowed in to speak with any of the prisoners, the uh, fella checking him in puts him through some things that was unnecessary. So you, by some things, you mean strip searching, making a lawyer be strip searched? Yes. Almost. He didn't uh, clinch. He, he didn't make him do the clinch and cuff or cough. Clinch he and asked cough. him to. He asked him to, but then he stopped short of that. But even, you know, that's not something I've never heard of. It's like, hey, no. your lawyer has to strip down naked. No, that was not to talk right. to their client. Right. That was not Right. So it was definitely a scene where I was in my chair just boiling so angry at this guard that was telling him to do all this stuff. And um, yeah, it was just awful. And it makes me think like, yeah, this was a movie. This was a portrayal. I don't know if this specific thing happened to this specific lawyer or not, but I wouldn't doubt that it did happen to somebody. Right. And that makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you don't know what's going on. So 
I think the thing to me that this really did a good job at showing you was not, it didn't like glorify the criminal justice system. It obviously, it didn't glorify jail. And it really pointed out some things that I think people don't think about in, a, in the black box that is the justice system. I would say most people listening to this podcast, most people in the United States have probably skipped more jury duties than people have like been in court. You right. know, it's like nobody likes going to court. Nobody even likes the idea. And then if you've ever been there, well, I think one person I know was on somewhat of a serious case. But the thing is, you get to see everything from the from the courtroom. You don't ever go to a jail. You don't see how people are being treated and what's going on, who's being frisked, who's being taken advantage of. Like um, the show on HBO, um, I forgot what it's, something night. It's a, uh, man, I can't remember. It's just off the top of my head. But there's a show on HBO talking about what this nice kid went through um, being charged with this crime and being detained because he couldn't uh, make bail and how he was um, attacked by the guards and attacked by other people and became, you know, he started doing harder drugs in a time that he was just sitting in Rikers Island waiting, oh, the night of, waiting for a time to uh, be, to, you know, state his case. So, you know, I think the criminal, the criminal justice system is really a black box that we all like to try to say what we know is right and what goes on and how people deserve this and deserve that. But you don't really know what is going on in this in in that system and how things are being twisted, um, and you know there's a lot of great people out there. I have family members that work in law enforcement in very different ways, but there's a lot of crazy people out there, and all you need is like one crazy person in a jail to really change someone's trajectory of life, um, or one person crazy person to put someone in jail to change someone's trajectory in life. So I think that spoke a lot about that thing, and then. I think the biggest thing to me is how the the relationships between the inmates was so strong mm -hmm. uh, because they um, they were trying to keep each other moving along. And usually, when you watch films, like the thing that we the thing that we're gonna see in a film where someone's in jail, um, we're gonna we're gonna hear drop drop the soap joke. We're gonna hear or see someone get raped. And we're gonna see drug use. We're gonna see people pitted against each other and right. hatred, we're see hatred and all these things, and fights and factions and. Right. Meatheads working out. <laughs> yeah, nobody that. was like, working out in any of these no videos. Nobody's working, working out. out. There's no tattooed five foot bald Latino guy. There was no um red headed goatee Aryan race dude. None of that. And maybe that was there in that jail, but you know, in that movie they focused on the relationships. Um, yeah, we saw this this friendship of these three guys on death row together, um, trying to hold each other up. Yeah. And get through it. And um the um talking about the cast for a second who is this guy that played herbert richardson so herbert richardson's character um was played by rob morgan um which the whole time i was watching the movie i was thinking i know this guy but i don't know where i know this guy from but i think that he was phenomenal like if if this movie was able to be a part of the 2020 oscars or any oscars it should be a part of some oscars and this guy should definitely get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. I thought he was incredible. He definitely, ugh, he had some of the hardest scenes of this movie and that just broke me. And it was very difficult, but he did a phenomenal job. Like I really felt I could, I was there with him right? going through this. Yeah, and so this character, he was a Vietnam vet who had 
experienced PTSD and had a couple of, uh, or he had a mental problem. I don't know. And he was, um, he had made it a, a poor decision and he regretted it and everything, but you know, whatever the justice uh, system said is that he needed to be um, put to death for um, putting a bomb on someone's porch. Why he did that or whatever, I, that wasn't in the film. But um, he also didn't have a good lawyer. None of these guys had good lawyers, which I think happens to a lot of people, um, not just like black dudes in the South. It's just kind of a, a, a social justice issue in this whole country of people having representation, people giving plea deals and things like that for stuff they didn't do or being charged with, you know, other crimes and just having to plead out. So, um, yeah, he was, he had to deal with his own grief. He had to deal with the grief that he caused for other people. Um, and then he had to deal with the, what had happened to him in this whole situation of him being sentenced and now being put to death. And, any, anybody on any level can relate to making a really horrible decision for whatever dumb reason you did and then having to realize that you can't undo that. Like I know there's things in my life that I've done and especially like once I realized it or when I got caught and I realized it, however it came about, I was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that and why would I do that? And like, I don't even know what was the point of that, but it's like you can't undo it and you know, he did the crime, so, you know, at least in this movie it says he did the crime. But um, and Of the three characters, he was the only one. Of the three characters we followed on Death Row, he was the one who actually did the thing they said. Yeah. Um, and he did kill someone. I'm reading the actual story now, um, and it says that he, um, so he had all these, you know, psychiatric issues after coming home from war, he had dated a girl and they broke up and he had wanted to try and win her back. So his plan was to place this bomb on the porch and um, detonate it, but then come to her rescue. He did not want to kill anyone. He didn't want to hurt anybody. Oh. It was picked up. The box was picked up and shook and exploded and killed the girl. Um, and so in the movie, we saw him wrestling with that when um, his execution date is set. And he's wrestling with the fact that, you know, he he thinks he deserves it. He thinks he should die, but he's also very scared and um, trying to come to terms with that it's going to happen and he knows when it's going to happen. And that's heartbreaking. And what did Jamie Foxx say? His character said something about you ask, you didn't mean to kill this girl and that doesn't give them the right to kill you back. Yeah. Like, how do you sit there with the knowledge that you're about to die. Like in 12 hours, that's it. The lights are going to go out. You're done. This is this is over and out. And how he portrayed that, obviously, I've not been through this, <laughs> right? Um, I would have no idea what that's like. But I felt like it It just felt like a, it felt like a real moment that guy was having, which is why this is one of the most, the scene that sticks in me is that's why that's going to stick with me so hard is because that seemed like, yeah, you're going to freak out. Like, you're going to not be able to breathe. You're going to, how do you even, how do you even not crawl out of your skin? Like, how, I don't know how you process that. I have anxiety and having a panic attack and having an anxiety attack, like I can't, I would be, that would be like level 
3,000 in anxiety mm. land and I just have small anxiety attacks and I can barely sit with it and sit still and it's it's terrible. Um, but just, And I almost got one watching this movie <laughs> it was because I know somebody sat in their cell and had to go through that. Um, many somebodies. Many somebodies, but specifically there was a name to this man. This was a real man. Right. Who really sat there and dealt with this. And like that's movies like this are so much harder for me to watch than any horror movie. I don't particularly like horror movies like Saw and like those kinds of things. They're a little bit harder for me to watch. But this this is harder emotionally um to get through than watching fake people be dismembered. Yeah. Is to watch real people be portrayed in these kinds of situations so anyway I'm, I'm obsessed with this actor now and obsessed with this this scene it felt is hard to watch and sad to watch and scary to watch but it seems like a real usually in these movies it's like oh what do you want to eat you know <laughs> like what's your last meal and they're joking right, with right. the guards and like yeah oh man it's you like, know i know i'm going to a better place right and it'll be okay right maybe there's dudes that go out like that yeah. There's probably dudes that are so deranged they don't know what's happening. You know, but there's also plenty of people who sit there and are like attempting to process what is happening. Yeah. And that that felt real. That felt like a real situation that's probably going on all over the country. Yeah, I know like the other day I was kind of thinking about like I I recently had somebody I knew who was older who passed and I was thinking like Ah, one day that's gonna be me. Oh no! And I was like, ah. never. And I was like, how do I like what? What's gonna happen? Like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a Christian. I believe heaven and all that. But still, it's just kind of like no one's come back to say this is exactly how and whatever and all these that's different. What they things. say it's the great unknown. Yeah, so right? it's like, like nobody, we don't know. No one, you know, can tell you exactly how this is going to happen and even if you even in the dying portion you don't know how it's going to happen. And this man knew, which is scary and is and it's in another way, but just kind of being like in that he still didn't even know. Like you know you're going to be electrocuted to be like am I going to how long am I going to feel this? How is it blah blah blah. It's like right, you, all these you questions. You don't know what's about to happen to you. Right, that come in like what if they don't do it right? And then I'm just like really burned and scarred and they have to fix everything and start over tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like Yeah. All these different things. So yeah, that I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't even know how people have a panic attack just talking yeah. about this. <laughs> I don't even know how people once like all their appeals have been denied and they know for sure like this is happening, whether it's right. tomorrow or twenty years from then, like how they're able to function throughout that whole time. It's very amazing. Yeah. You know, that that they do that. That they're it's like I don't even know what other choice you have besides like taking your own life or whatever. But I'm just saying like I thought actually I thought that was I did I think thought that, for a split that second. might be where that was going. His story, I thought that's how that might yeah. end up. And then for a split second, I thought, is that the better way to go? <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> right. You at least I got mean, control not, of yeah, some just, sort. You know. Yeah. Nothing's a good option in this situation. Um, so the third guy was played by. Yeah, yay, Ice Cube's son. Yeah. Um, it took me a second for for me to realize it was him because all those shots, we just watched the video on it. They were they started the shots kind of wide in the jail cells and then they went closer and closer. So 
I think I feel like O'Shea was uh, from the moment was was kind of close up, so it's hard for me to tell it was him first. It was. I was think all other. his shots were from the side. Yeah. I don't remember seeing him straight on. Yeah. At all, he was always up against the the up against um, the bars, the door, the like bars, looking out, trying yeah. to talk to the trying guys. to talk to the other guy because he was on one. Yeah, he was on one side, and then Jamie Foxx's character was in the middle, and then the other guy was on the far end. So Jamie Foxx was like. He was the one, the, the cheerleader. And then the other guy was like the Aegon cheerleader. And then the guy on the far left was the sad one. So they were both kind of like talking towards him. I think the um, the other thing. Well, and he did great. We we didn't see. Oh. He was great with his character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a really great job. Yeah. He was, was the younger of the three guys. Um, he yeah, was, was scared too, but he still, he had a lot of bravado. Um, and he was trying to keep it up there. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, it's good to see him in a different. Uh, he's we saw him in um, is it Ingrid Goes West? He was in that. Yeah, um, I so it's kind of so. dramatic, yeah. but it was interesting to see him like in a really dramatic role. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I think like the to me, I was thinking about the first scene of the movie where he's cutting the wood and he's out in the wilderness and he's doing his thing. He's working his job. He's doing what most people do in America. He has his own tree cutting business or some some something like that. And then, you know, he gets arrested soon after that in the evening. But it was interesting because he's out in the woods. He's out in freedom. He's out in nature. He's not even in a city. He's out doing, running his own business, doing what he wants to do in his freedom, in the freedom of this country, in the freedom of the wild. And then the rest of the movie is him in jail, him being persecuted, him being, you know, caged. So it was an interesting beginning. Like, I don't know how it actually began, but... You know, it just really kind of like sets the tone, I think, for most people to really think about what you have to go through, um, even if you are, even if you do a crime. You know, I'm just saying, like how your life changes, yeah, from being completely free to being, you know, caged, um, and kind of like this guy who uh, the the one who planted the bomb, like he did the crime, but it's also, you know, like he was saying about it's just really hard to think about all these different things and you know, what you would want as a person being convicted of a crime that you didn't do, you as a person being convicted as a crime that you did do, and you being a family member of somebody who was a victim of a crime and how you would respond. Because I don't I don't know how I feel about the death penalty. I've When I was younger, you know, and I think most people, they're kind of like, well, they did something bad, so, you know, whatever happens, it happens. Like, you should know that up front. And I think as you, as a person who's thinking about committing a crime, I think that's the way you should think. But as a human being, it's really hard for me to to, to really reconcile or to really, it takes, it's hard for me to wrestle with that idea of just being like, well, you, you know, you get what you get. Because I think about, like I said, any dumb thing I've ever done in my life and then being like, why did I do that? Whether someone caught me or I just thought of it on my own, I was just like, man. And then there's no way to ever, obviously there's no way to, change anything or make anything better but there's no way to really be rehabilitated at least in the state or country's eyes and that you're always this person you know and that goes in the post uh, that goes into when people get out of prison like you you get out of prison and then you can't get jobs you can't live here you can't do that you know it's like besides sex offenders like real sex offenders not people who are like having sex in the car in a park at 2 a.m., but people who are actually, like, you know, <laughs> right. attacking children. Like, right. other than that, I'm like, man, you know, why are we coming after these people so hard? So 
it just makes it, it's just really interesting to think about when I saw that beginning scene and then the rest of the movie, how he was just locked up the rest of the time. And I think that would be super hard because that's one of my biggest fears, you know, is to end up in jail or to end up in a mental institution yes. <laughs> or end up in a box, anything that's box-like. No boxes. No boxes. We used to live in a send tiny me, apartment and that was too small. Yeah. And that was a full apartment. When you send me presents, just give me the present. Don't put it in a box. <laughs> What's in the box? What's okay, in the sorry. box? More movie quotes. Um, I think also this movie is a lot about faith, um, hope, and like trust. Because like you're saying, those three men had a lot of faith in each other and for each other. Um, they had to put... <laughs> Not for much else at the beginning. Yeah. They didn't trust nobody, rightfully so. And they, they didn't even trust Michael B. Jordan's character, um, the, uh, Brian. They didn't trust him at all. They thought, you know, especially um, uh, Johnny Johnny B? Johnny D. Johnny. Oh, maybe it was Johnny D. It was Johnny D. I think it was Johnny yeah. D. Um, our memories are bad. Uh, but he didn't trust him at all, you know. So it just takes a while for people to build faith. Like they, they did the obvious things that like Christian faith, Southern black church faith, AME. I thought that was cool that Michael V when he met the first, they bonded on being AME and parents forced into the choir. I was forced into the choir as well. So, you know, those, those things are there like religion, faith, but just really just having faith in each other and having faith in, um, you know, being able to get through something and being able to trust people, when you've been let down so many times, like I've been let down, but I've never had people, three people come up to me and go, I'm going to get you out of prison. (laughs) And then I'm still in prison. Right. After years and not ever like doing anything. And, you know, just being able to have that hope, like the family having hope. So um, one of the funny things was, um, and we're watching Mindhunters as well, how sometimes people don't, people just get in their mind that someone's guilty and then they'll do any investigation or any follow-up. Like uh, Brian's, Brian went, the lawyer went to uh, the, uh, family. the family to find out what was going on. Found out they were having a fish fry. Everybody and their mom was there. Everybody so like could vouch for. There's people that could vouch for this guy. Right. And then the guy who said that uh, Willie had, um, Johnny? I keep wanting to say Willie. It's Willie. It's Johnny D. Johnny but Johnny D. D yeah. McMillan. I keep wanting to say Willie D. Willie D. Uh, Willie D. That's from something. No. I had an uncle Willie, so maybe that's why. <laughs> um, Johnny D., uh, the guy who's tried to say that Johnny D. had uh, been a part of this crime, actually was with his son, right? At the fix it shop. So, like, it was just all messed up. There this, was so, yeah. And there, that was. There was no real evidence about any of this. When they were reading bits of his statement, I wonder how much of that was true because that was insane. It was all over the place. Yeah. Like, that would be interesting if they could read real court documents in these movies. If the court case is over, is, I'm I guess sure. So, right? Yeah. Well, that yeah. would be very interesting because, man, you can't write something that nuts. Like, that can only just come from somebody making up things as they go along. Right. And I think so that I think that makes me think also about, yeah, it's just people really just. It's weird because a lot of movies with police and this type of thing kind of go down that road and it's it happens where you don't want to believe anything else. And also like the DA was saying, you're fighting for the constituency and your vote and the perception and all this stuff. So it's never just about it's never about case. justice. Or the case, yeah. Or, or the just- case, yeah. It's not about <laughs> justice. It's about keeping it's always about making people feel comfortable. If people are comfortable, everything's fine. If people are uncomfortable, it's it doesn't even matter if it's right or wrong. 
People don't want to deal with it. Right. So if there's a dead white woman in your town and you can find a black dude that you can say did it quickly and make everybody feel safe so that their kids can jump through the sprinklers and hula hoop on the front lawn, you're going to do that because it's, and it also makes you look good. You can get reelected and all those other things. And you don't have to worry about like with mine hunters. Oh crap. There's 21 dead kids and we don't know what's going on, but if we just pin it on somebody and I guess if the kids stop dying, but you know, if the crimes stop happening, then you're good. You're... So I just realized who actually killed this girl. We don't know. We don't know. It, didn't it might get to be. It. Yeah, we could it, research it. We have not. We have not. But so the movie didn't really. But I think that's a, I think that's a that sad really thing. That really wasn't the point. I guess that we weren't no. solving the murder. We were getting and it I, off of. I this think guy. that's the hard thing, like as a as a family member, to wrap your head around because that's what seems like the the thing that's like. Well, what about the girl, or the guy, and. This family is grieving, and I'm like, I would hope if one of my family members was murdered, I would be like, "Yo, are you sure this is the person? I want you to, I want you to put in jail, and then if you're going to electrocute the right person, don't just be like, "Hey, we found somebody," you know, you know. It's just like, don't yeah, give I, me a gift I, that I don't want. <laughs> right. Well, the, no, I didn't. I don't want to. This isn't a political. We're talking about the movie. I was about to make my we've kind of gotten statement political on the death penalty, but we don't have to go there. I don't like it. <laughs> That's your statement. <laughs> no, I sir. I don't like it. I don't agree with the death penalty. But yeah. this is about the movie. Just mercy. <laughs> yeah. It's just there's so many things that there's so many things that tie. But the into movie this. doesn't want you to like the death penalty either. That's true. Obviously. That's kind of the yeah. It's showing you these people are human. And also at the end of the movie, there are some statistics on how many people on death row are innocent and have been cleared of their crimes. Um, and a lot of statistics showing just how many possibly innocent people have been executed. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's sad all around, but I think the key is like you just gotta try to be thorough and stuff. You know, you can't just be like, oh, well, you did something like like they said in the movie, like he just looked guilty. And they said that about so many dudes. Oh, they said that like, about O'Shea's character. Yeah. He was in jail for 30 years. And I believe it said he was released in 2015. So right. just a few yeah. years ago, um, his character, or the real guy, <laughs> was released. Um, and the, was it the judge or the prosecutor? The prosecutor yeah, yeah, said yeah. He, that he knew he did it just based on his mugshot. Right. He said he looked like he and had done it. And that's something that they say in the in the film is like, these black people that you see standing right here, you look at them and you just see guilt before anything even happens. And, you know, I think, you know, that's an obviously bigger discussion than this movie, but it's something to say. It's just like how this country um, views African-American people, how it views Mexican people, how it views all different types of people to where, if you have Tad with his hat backwards and says like, hey, we were just having fun, he can just kind of like walk away or he might have the ability to have his dad come up or whatever. Or he could be just as poor as the black dude, but just because he doesn't quote unquote look guilty, it's like, well, he's a good kid. You know, he just, you know, was probably messing around or I bet you had nothing to do with it. And then you just take people's word for good it. Good old boys. Yeah. And so... It's it's you know it's it's something that still exists obviously, but it's just really sad and one of the reasons why I've only been to Alabama to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and I just keep on moving Mississippi Alabama 
I just go to the bathroom, try to get back in that car as soon as possible. Um, because yeah, that's kind of insane. Um, if you don't know, some people like to judge the way I talk and don't know I'm an African American male. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'll be like, yeah, what? I thought you were bah, 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 bah. so. Um, but as I say before, and edit this if you want, people in your mind. When someone says the word, get that nigger in the room, they're talking to me. They're not talking to the guy who sounds black, who is white. They're talking about me. So no matter how I or other black people may talk, it doesn't matter when we're talking about your look. And that goes back to what, um, you know, what they were saying about people saying, like, you look guilty and blah, blah, blah. So, for example, um, in this movie, actually, a part of the problem arises because um johnny johnny b johnny d has an affair with a white woman and that causes a lot of problems and another thing that happens if people start gossiping it just become it became from like he had an affair with a white woman it's like he's a drug dealer he's a criminal all these different things that people started making up to slander him um you know i think under any situation it's not great to cheat on your wife but also because he was a black guy it's kind of you know was frowned upon but um you know, that kind of like was a catalyst to all of this stuff. But I think, yeah, the crazy thing to me was kind of like I was saying is you have an assumption of guilt um, and you have this ability for certain groups of people to be able to kind of do what they want or have freedom in what they want and then other groups not. And some people to just be assumed of one thing. So, you know, I always try to tell people you know, that don't understand um, privilege in any situation. But, you know, I'm privileged and I'm an African, I'm a middle-class African-American dude, multi-generation. But, um, you know, when we're talking about white privilege, of just being mindful of that, knowing that even if you grew up the poorest of poor, you essentially can, if you can get a bus ticket and show up in another city, you can fake being a rich white person. <laughs> Or be assumed to be a middle class or rich white person. Ah, obviously, you may not know all the terminologies and you sound quote unquote country. But, you know, you can kind of fake your way through it. Most black people cannot do that. You can't show up at a country club and be like, hey, I'm a white guy from, you know, New York City. It just doesn't work that way. So um, I think sometimes like people don't really realize that when you see movies like this. And you're like, oh, well, why does this happen? Or how couldn't he have done this? Or couldn't he have done that? It's like, it, it really just comes down to skin. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you just, like there's no way around it. Like if if the, if it was a white lawyer seeing him, I don't think that strip search would have happened. No. I don't think he would have been pulled. He might've been pulled over. You know, there was the, the, I think the freedom riders that were murdered, white and black people that were murdered. But, you know, there's a little bit of quote unquote respect given, but- you know, that those are the types of things that don't happen um, to white people from white people. So, you know, this movie kind of points out some of that and, and sometimes in a different way than other movies have. Um, and that brings me to um, Brie Larson's character. So she is the, uh, what is her? She's not the, he was the director. She said her title wrong. She was the... Operating officer, yeah, 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 director of operations, director of I think. D O O, the do, the do. So, um, I was talking to this film student, dude, um, Denzel. Uh, Denzel, yeah, I was talking to Denzel, 
just met him today and he's a film student uh graduate usc go film trojans and <laughs> film trojans <laughs> is that what sounds odd usc is trojans yeah, the trojans yeah. all right trojans film trojans, trojans. <laughs> um but i was talking to him about this movie and how kind of like in once upon a time in hollywood when people were like oh uh, Margot Robbie's such a great actress. Why did you use her in such a way? She doesn't talk. Blah, 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 blah. But Brie Larson's character didn't say much. No. But when she talked, she was very direct, very powerful. She cursed every single, it's not sentence, but every single time that she spoke. She was a, um, she was, she propped up Michael B. Jordan and inspired him. She gave him a place to stay with her husband. Um, for the first couple of days, which is brave in and of itself in the time and what they're trying to do um, and the way people like to start rumors. Um, but she did that and um, she helped him in different ways. Her husband helped. So just just because she didn't say a lot doesn't mean that she didn't do a lot in the film. And I think it was something I was thinking about today and I was talking to him about it, is like most people, as if you're listening to this podcast, listening, literally listening, so you can hear. You can hear. Right. So people who cannot hear have to take all sorts of other cues to be able to communicate and understand communication. And speaking and hearing is not the only form of communication. And what they did with her character, when she spoke, she spoke with strength and passion and purpose. And like I was saying, she, she cursed at least every time that she spoke. That let me know that she was a fiery woman that had a very strong opinion and wasn't going to be swayed by anything. And in the eighties and in the South, you know, I don't, I didn't know a lot of, you know, kids, but adults that would, you know, use that kind of language in the South. So. All right. She was not she was, a yeah. lady, a little, little she lady was, in yeah, the kitchen. She wasn't going to take. You did not want to mess with her. Right. So you learn that. Then she's supportive she takes Michael Lee into her home while he's trying to find an apartment because he's starting this business, her and her husband. So you know that her husband trusts her and her husband has her back. Right. They and, were, yeah. He was incredibly supportive. Right. He's not like, you know, there was nothing in the scene like, oh, when is he going to leave? And I don't know why you're doing this. You're putting us in danger. You know, he's just like from those just actions and the way that she looked and the way that they set up her character and her family, you knew who she was about without having to have her say a bunch of fancy words and have these, you know, long dialogue scenes. It was just a perfect way of showing a way that you can use a character without just have them yammering all the time. And I'll stop yammering. <laughs> yeah, she was a very to the point character. She she was there to do a job. I, I realized later that I don't know how many times they actually used her name in the movie because when I was looking at the character list, I had no idea this woman's name was Ava. Um, Ava, Ava Ansley? Is that right, I hope? Or Eva. One of those. Eva? Eva, Eva. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about both of them is like their organization is still there and they're both still doing this job. They planted something lasting. Yeah. It's not like they did this. You know, I don't know what they'll do now, but. I'm sure they lost plenty appeals and trials and and we saw that even with the yeah. first character you know and and they didn't fold yeah they were able they to kept fighting yeah and and they didn't take you know obviously they're they're famous now everybody's looking them up but they didn't become cnbc commentators or i'm gonna work at justice and 
Goya and I don't know, whatever, some law firm to make a ton of money. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe they are making a ton of money now, but I doubt it if they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, they came in with federal funding, that's, which I thought was interesting. That's a like, good way to say yeah. you, How did that happen? It, it is kind of weird. <laughs> like you, you're, you, the man gives you money to fight the man. The man. It's like Goliath being like, yeah. hey, here's a slingshot. <laughs> so huh? this thing says that they um, together... Uh, Brian and Eva, Eva, Eva. Um, Eva. I apologize that we're butchering your name, but they together won release reversals or relief for over 135 wrongly condemned prisoners on death row. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's a lot and not a lot, but a lot. It's kind of weird because you think about how many other people there might be, but then you think about if they weren't doing their job at all. Right. Because it's like, also, that's 135 people on death row. But multiply the number of family members. And when you branch out from the one person, how many people they're affecting with their work. Yeah. And I think that that, that kind of like uh, conversation that is talked about a lot is when people talk about generational wealth. And not just in money, but wealth and just life. You know, how many people are affected by crime um, false convictions, um, harsh sentences, things like that. Not just, so you're punishing a lot of people. So like when you go to punish somebody, you really got to think about how you're going to punish them because that has a long lasting effect on generations of people and what kind of wealth or poverty you send them right. in, even emotional poverty. Like they said that Johnny still, you're not still because he's passed, but the whole like even when he got out he still had a hard time with that whole situation like that's something that alters your life forever yeah like the, like even if you get out and you get 45 million dollars or whatever like you can't get that time back and i think they say that in the movie it's like the just there's nothing the justice system can do to like get time back you know you can win a case said, you can yeah, win money they, they took away more than they could ever give back right, right yeah that's what it was and so, yeah, it's like when your dad has gone 10 years, and Jamie Foxx spoke about this with his dad being in prison, when your dad's gone 10, 12, 15, 20 years, that changes everything for you. And that changes how you perceive the world. And so I think this movie just makes me think about how we go about justice and how we need to be very thorough in the way that we do it. And we need to talk about how justice is treated amongst different groups of people, whether you're poor or you're black or Latino or you're from another country, how we're treating people because, you know, to be, you know, honest with the thing that's happening in the news is there's people right now that we're going to be turning into criminals and terrorists whose parents they will never see again because they've been separated or they've been locked up like animals. And most people, don't. they're either going to be not har not horrible, but some people are going to push through. But some of these people are going to be really bad members of society, not because of their own fault. And even in the slightest of just being a person who's just not able to socialize with people, like that's a pretty right. bad thing. It's going to have some sort of effect to a person that could murder somebody, to a person that could start some sort of movement that's not really just good for humanity in general. But that's all set up by the justice system. So. Um, it's a good, it's a great story. It's a great. Yeah. I appreciate movies like this that tell this kind of story. 
Yeah. You know, it's not something people just sit around thinking about. Like, right. These stories have to be told or we don't know about them. Right. And I, I think the the big thing that was in, was great to me, you know, and I'm, it's like I can talk probably for like hours about this movie and the, and the things that it kind of, I guess, if we were you want to about talk today, more, give us a call. Yeah. The we'll, aroma, we'll chat with you all the day. aroma that, that, it, that comes from this movie about so many topics, but. I think it was just interesting uh, th- to see a, a black lawyer representing a black man that can have some sort of connection or experience in a film. You know, it happens all the time, but often you see like dangerous mind situations right. with the or blind side. Matthew McConaughey. Right. Comes I'm in. this white lawyer and right. I'm going to come in and be the white savior. And that's fine. Like, however you save a person, it's like, I'm not blasting that idea but this hollywood kind of thing is like we need a white guy to fix everything because if we don't like we can't do you know it's just not gonna happen (laughs) it's like well what about a black guy or what about a transgender lesbian whatever person you know it's just like there's more than one way there's more than one actually not even fault not even fictional stories there's more than one true story out there that represents many different types of people and gives many different spectrums of crime and punishment in the justice system and relationships and faith and all these different things than like the ones we usually see. So, right. Should we talk about anything else? Or yeah, we, 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 uh, we should talk about Michael B. Michael B. How'd he do? This was a different role for him, right? Yeah, I think he's still kind of Michael B though, right? He's kind of Michael B. He had, he had a lot of moments that were, um, that were really good. I think the funny thing to me is, um, did they puff up his face? No, I was gonna say I can't. I I don't know who has the chip monkey or cheeks, him or Kanye. Mm, yeah, like, they should have a, a chip, a cheek off. Yeah, chip. this is this is the morbid section of Josh. But I I I I, I think like <laughs> if you had a, in a live situation, like which person would you rather go down in a plane with, like for cheek meat? What? <laughs> Right. No, face cheek meat. Face cheek meat, not cheek All meat. Right. Well, alive, they were doing cheek meat. They were doing straight up cheek meat. Yes, but I'm so talking, we were about, talking face about the face, face cheek meat. I don't know. Give us a call. Let us know. Dial 1 800 no, cheek meat. So Michael B has always had chip monkey face? Yeah, chip, he's, he's, dude, he's, I, like, it just seemed if, more. If I needed somebody to open up a, uh, a bottled beer with their mouth, what? it would definitely be Michael B. Yeah, he's had like All right, these let's see. Look at huge, like you can monger. tell, like him and Kanye always look like they just got done like running off the field playing football. Like they have he mouth, have they have it. a mouth guard in. Oh, he does. They have ma- mouth guard face. I didn't notice yeah. before. That's just what, who they be. He just seemed very. No, because remember when he was on Parenthood, I was like, that dude's cheeks are insane. And that's when he wasn't even yoked. So he had this big cheek face. <laughs> and in his little body, I don't know. In um, and he was also in the wire. I'd have to look at that picture again to see if he had the cheeks then. But man, he's right. always, he's always right. had the cheek meat, the I've, face I've, cheek meat. Since right. you're afraid of saying the just face cheek, cheek meat. meat. Okay, so Michael B was Michael B. He was, uh, he was he a little good. bit more. He was a little bit more. He showed. He does good at impassioned. Yeah, he he did do good at that. Right. But I think him just being chill. Because we've seen him like angry or about to be angry. So he's fighting or fighting or right. fighting. 
Um, obviously, Fruitvale Station. Did you ever? You didn't. You couldn't. You didn't. I have watch not it. watched yes. Fruitvale. Yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, I think okay. you kind of like with this. Mo- well, kind of like this movie. I think you were just kind of like it seems too much. too much. Like you know the story, and yeah, you're like, oh. it's too much. But you know, Fruitvale. I think that was the last time I remember him being kind of like this. But there were some scenes where it seemed like he wasn't given it all in the courtroom. But mm-hmm. you know, editing. Right, right. So it's like you do 15 takes and you go, man, our take three was the one. And then the editor's like, take 15. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> oh, man. But so. But it's yeah. good. I hope, I hope, uh, real Brian is proud of the portrayal. I hope. I would always hope that of the true stories, especially the good ones, the good true stories, the, the real life heroes. I would hope that, I hope this movie. Did him justice. Uh, <laughs> justice. Mercy. I was thinking uh, today. So Michael B is Michael B. We like Michael B. Um, Jamie Foxx, though. Man, yeah. Jamie Foxx. This is what I was thinking about how Jamie Foxx, you can forget it's Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. but you're also very aware it's Jamie Foxx. Yeah. If that makes sense. You, I forgot. I actually forgot it was Jamie Foxx in this movie. I, at some points I did, but then every now and again I was like, oh yeah, that's Jamie Foxx. When they, when they were focus on his eyes or, or something about his eyes mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's Jamie Foxx. Yeah. But he's so good at disappearing into his characters. I think, so I think c- comedians are some of the best actors um, around, like ones who are really like deep in it. Who else? Who else? Um, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams. Um, I think playing dr- drama, Adam Sandler is Adam amazing. Sandler. Mm-hmm. Like we saw Uncut Gems. We haven't talked about that. But, um, you know, these, these, if you have to get people to like you, you know, it's it's easy once you got to do something else. You know, it's like you're you're trying. That's the whole that's what you're doing in acting. But if you have to do it with laughs, like all you can do is get people to like you through laughs. Then when you have to if you're really, really deep in the craft and invested in that, you just switch it to being invested in being this person and really getting people to see what you're trying to say as this person. It's. It's just a shifting of like skills and these type of people who are kind of eccentric comedians. Like think about when you see Jamie Foxx, he's off script too much. Hmm. Robin Williams, off script too much. Jim Carrey, off script too much. All three of them. Right. So when you're that off script and you're so free, you can easily, not easily, but I'm saying these people can easily just channel in because they're just like, hey, I do all this crazy stuff. This is just easy. Reading these words and hmm. being this person and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's easy, but know. you know, I'm just saying like compared to what they have to do day to day, trying to make people laugh and say crazy stuff on oh, I see. Fallon and all that bit, type yeah. of stuff. But yeah, Jamie Foxx is like a, to me, he's like a Samuel Jackson. He, he can be in these silly movies and do like funny things and do these bit parts. And then he can quickly just be like, let's make this money. Like let's do these blockbuster films. Then he can also be, let's do something that really means something. And he has that ability where other people, if they were to do like some weird funky film, they could never like return back to like acting glory for some reason. Hmm. Right. That's, that's my Jamie Foxx. That's your Jamie Foxx. That's my, that's That's your take. That's my Foxhole. Josh's take. Yeah. That'll be a segment. Well, I thought it was really good. I thought he did really good as well. Ooh, Oscar contender there, maybe. You think well. so? What? But maybe. why? Why did? What did you think? I just think that he was so good. But what was That's so good? All, I don't know. I think that he embodied it. I think he just became this man. Um, and you know what? I still keep thinking of the other guy, Herbert 
the other character. And then we we just watched a video before hopping on the mic here. We uh a little scene about how they filmed. There's a pivotal scene where uh, Herbert is in the next cell over, and uh, it's the day before he's going to be executed, and he starts freaking out, and he's moaning and sat, crying, and uh, Jamie Foxx's character, Walter, you know, gets up, and, and they have this, this uh, conversation. They can't see each other. Um, they're talking through the cells, and um, they're talking about how they filmed it and how they put a camera on each guy, and filmed them simultaneously. So they didn't have to. I feel like that probably brought a lot more to that scene. Like it was just a, they were able to really embody this conversation and really right. get into what these guys may have been going through and really just sit in it and react and and um, be in that moment together. So I thought that was a really insightful way to shoot that. And I really, um, I don't know, that's going to be the scene that sticks in my head. Like when I think of this movie, that's going to be the one. Yeah, I think all those, I think all those jail scenes are kind of the ones that will be the everlasting in the relationship they build. I think the execution scene was pretty insane Oof. because, you know, they're all cheering for Herb, like, we're with you, Herb, we're with you, Herb. And so I think you just you just see um, kind of what, like what that does to a person or it does to a community, like taking someone's life. Um you know, whether it's for good reason or not, just how that affects other people. You know, like I was saying, I was... Because he said he was scared and he just wished he didn't have to to go through this alone. And the yeah. guys told him, you're not alone, we're with you. Yeah. And uh, apparently they could all hear, I guess the execution room was like at the end of the hall. Yeah, but... Sort the, of. And um, they all knew he was down there. And so they all started banging their cups on the yeah. the bars because they knew he would be able to hear them. So... They're all kind of signifying that you're not alone yeah. and we're with you, buddy. But the thing about jails, like they're nowhere even close to soundproof. So if you've got fifty well, right. to hundreds of people clanging and making noise, like like we were we were in um Alcatraz. That thing was the most noisiest place oh, I've yeah. ever been in. Yeah. It was like if you if you took uh Grand Central Terminal and just like shrunk it down, but the same amount of noise, it's just bouncing sounds off of everywhere. So, you know, the the yeah, that was that was really crazy to see and like how it affected other people. And I think that's another thing. It's like before you say your thoughts on the death penalty and whatever you say afterwards, you should go see someone get electrocuted or someone get um, oh. injected and and sentenced to death. You should see someone shot. You know <laughs> all those things before you go. Like, oh yeah, I'm totally for it. That's you know? what I was gonna say about the character in the beginning. The guy I wanted to kick in the face, um, the guard that did the strip search on the lawyer, um, we see him throughout the movie. He interacts with our guys, you know, our three main guys, the whole movie. Um, and he's a jerk and um, racist and just, you know, terrible guy. Uh, but we do see later um, that he goes through something. Uh, he's a little bit transformed when I'm not going to say a whole lot. But we do see a spark of transformation when he witnesses. He helps strap in the guy into the electric chair, which I was really surprised that they used an actual electric chair in 1980, whatever it was, because um, that seems so barbaric. That surprised me. But he helped strap this guy in, and then he was on the other side of the glass. And um, I'm assuming this was his first execution he'd ever witnessed. So. Uh, we see, we see on his face, this actor portrays that this guy seems to be pretty horrified by the whole thing and, um, comes out, I'm not going to say 
super kinder or like a better human being, but he definitely comes out of that change. And we yeah. see his interactions change a bit with the uh, remaining two guys. He uh, loosens things. He allows William to have some time with his family for a few minutes when beforehand he would have just probably called them all a bunch of names and told them to get out of here. So, yeah. you know, it, it was interesting to see the just the moments that they chose for this movie. That was a moment we got to, I think to those, see. I think that kind of goes back to the whole like faith, hope, and and just just uh, thing is like that gave you a little glimmer into change and like how people can change and how people can at least yeah. um, sympathize with people and just be able to know like oh man this this is a guy like this guy just died or this guy is just trying to help this other guy this lady is the husband of this guy and she's just trying to make it through you know i don't know for sure if they're guilty or not whatever you know he's thinking but just treating people with just basic human dignity like there's very few people on this earth or who lived on this earth that i don't know it would be hard for me like hitler's one of them like you know if i saw hitler I, it would be i don't know how long i'd be able to talk to him but you know <laughs> I, I don't know what i would do if i like was like hey i wouldn't be like hey hitler you know it wouldn't be like the um, Would you travel back in time and kill the baby <laughs> Hitler? <laughs> baby Hitler, for sure. Um, oh, no question. No. <laughs> I, well, who knows? That's another podcast. Uh, but it's like, who knows what problems you would create right. from that? But I'm just saying, like, it, it it's not like a Ellen sits with George Bush at a baseball game situation. It's a little bit tougher than that. But, you know, just giving people at least some sort of human decency when they're whether they're criminals or are accused of a crime or whether you're law enforcement or whatever. And I know it's hard because you got to keep your guard up and all that type of stuff. You want to go home to your family. But I think that that's the big thing that was great to see that character, whether he was real or not, just for us to be able to have that win, to see that somebody's changing and somebody's right. understanding. Right. Also the DA. Well, the DA at the very realized, last second. And I don't necessarily think, I don't really know what his, if he was a racist or whatever, but... I think he was more focused on status quo, like right. I was saying, and making people feel, feel safe because that's what his thing was. And the thing is, the goal in life isn't just to make people feel safe, but to do what's right. You know, is it good to keep your child safe, but then completely lie to him about a situation that's going to come down down the hill anyway that's going to be detrimental to them? You, you mean know? like Santa Claus? Is real? <laughs> Are you talking about Israel? <laughs> you said lying to your children. Hey, Santa Claus is real. So, mm. yeah, it's just kind of like those type of things. I think, you know, that was a great thing to see that and to see that, you know, they were just kind of like, wait, all this, all this evidence is not really evidence. This is just stuff that we made up because we're either racist or, the, you know, as the city, as a state, we're either racist or we just wanted to get a conviction so that we can feel good about ourselves so we can get elected and we can have these nice dinners and everyone pats us on the back instead of really finding out who actually killed certain people. Right. There's, there's so many throughout the history of this country, black people in jail, black men in jail for murdering or harming white women when it was probably their husband that threw them in that lake. So, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it, we could have just arrested, you know, Billy Jean and well, Billy Jean's a woman's name, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Bobby, no, Bobby Joe's a woman's name. 
think of a, a countryman. Uh, countryman, countryman, white countryman name. Uh, you know, him going to jail instead of Bubba. But yeah, Bubba. Uh, instead of like some guy who's just like an upstanding citizen, or even not. It's like sometimes people are criminals, but they didn't do that crime. Right. Okay, so you knocked off a liquor store and you're an alcoholic. That doesn't mean that you strangled a white woman. It just means you're an alcoholic <laughs> that the locked off a liquor guy, store once. The other guy that was in there for 30 years is another line that was given. Um, O'Shea's character, I don't know if this is real, but this is what they said in the movie. He said, uh, uh, the guy told him when he arrested him, he said, uh, he's like, you know, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And he said, yeah, well, one of y'all did. Mm, so you're gonna even if you didn't do it, you're taking one for your homie. Yeah. Said one of y'all is going down. I think yeah, and that that also goes to one of the first cases that they talked about was uh, these two guys went to rob a liquor store and the friend killed somebody. And then this you know this is something that I think is in a lot of states where if you are a part of a crime and someone murders someone, you get charged with murder. It's something that's been um, brought up. Uh, come to my attention recently past just hearing it because as a kid I knew that and that's why I didn't roll with certain people because I knew they were stupid when we would do stupid stuff because I was like you might escalate this to a point to where I'm now implicated in something worse but you know now it's it's interesting to think about of like because I used to think like oh that makes sense blah 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 but then I was thinking man like what other laws do we have that you know where I don't know you're with something and with somebody and just because you're with somebody you're associated with them and everything they do, you know? Oh, right. It's just, it's just an interesting um, law. I don't know how I feel about it, like if I think it should be there or not, but it's just an interesting law. But just like anything, if you watch any Vice video or uh, Vox art video or study in American history, most everything comes down to racism. So that's probably the reason why that's on the books. Um, is why they, it's Probably. an easier way to just throw more people more in jail people. that, um, you don't like, uh, you know, so I think it just goes back to that kind of thing. It's like, if you didn't do it, then your friend did, if your friend didn't, you know, whatever, if you did it, whoever, it doesn't matter. We're just trying to lock up black dudes <laughs> since we can't legally do it, um, in a slavery system, we'll lock them up in a prison system. So, you know, it's that, it, that was true but sad to hear like on a on a film because i i, f I feel that way sometimes i wonder yeah. if people look at me as just like oh i know who he is and i know what he's about from like folklore of what black men are and not who we actually are right and then just lumping us in as one monolith of a type of person when we're just like everybody else like we smoke weed at the same rates as everybody else we commit crimes at pretty much the same rates um except for obviously when you're it's kind of different information when you're talking about where people are living and what situations they're put under but every human is uh bound to do just about the same things whether you live in pakistan israel australia <laughs> united states like people are cheating people are doing drugs people are committing crimes people are being nice people are raising kids it's just humanity we're all good and we're all terrible that's right that's good and bad in all of us. Yeah. So this movie, like Richard Jewell, I did not know the outcome coming into this movie. I for sure did, did not you know, know the outcome. I didn't no. even know okay. this story existed me specifically. Okay. Yeah, me neither. So that was all it. I, I truly did not know. I was so nervous at the end when it finally came down to like the final 
say of whether or not they're going to give him a retrial and whether or not they're going to dismiss right. charges. And I was like, oh, no, I have no idea because I didn't know. You just never know. It could be one right. of those movies where he ends up in jail, he ends up executed, and it's like... Or he dies in jail. Right, he dies in jail. Like, oh, I didn't know. I was so nervous. The The funny thing is, is like they play that preview where the son gets arrested. So I forgot about that until it got to that. As soon as that scene started and I saw the lighting, I was like, oh, wait, he's not getting out of prison. And so I was like, yeah. oh, crap, he's not getting out of prison. And so I thought that was going to be the end. But then when they finally, you know, they were finally able to like go through that whole thing and actually get him out. I was like, oh, good. I was like, that would have sucked if he would have just yes. stayed in prison. Oh, OK. So here, here's the movie thing here or like an actor thing. I, I wonder about sometimes when I see movies with racial, well, whatever. Um, if you're an actor, well, I just wonder because. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're about to say. Yes. Yeah. So the N-word. Yes. And you're an actor. Yeah. And that's in your script because that is very much a part of your character. Right. Oh, like what? Do you, I wouldn't. I, I don't wouldn't. know. I just, I feel like I would get there and be like, like, I don't know that I'd be able to say it. No. And then how do you feel afterwards? Mm-mm. Like, what do you. Nope. I like I, if I, I was if I was a white man like you know hats off to Walton Goggins my goodness that man's played so many racist I don't even like I would feel so scared of being typecast or punched in the face by random black dudes on the street but um he's done it so um you know and ha- like ha- I, I almost I saw him at the Grove and I almost like hugged him but I just left him alone he's with his family I love Walton Goggins <laughs> uh, he's a great actor but you know I, I'm just saying like as you can come an on actor. the podcast anytime, anytime. you want. Walton, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're I listening. know you are. <laughs> come on, you know. Uh, but, you know, I've, I feel for those people. And, and I've watched interviews where people talked about on set, they had to, like, prep people. I think it was Spike Lee. He told people, like, look, man, this says, gets said all the time. This is something that's a reality. So let's not try to act like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're here to do a thing, and you need to do that thing. Do not let up in the scene. Hmm. But he's like, you know, it's obviously very emotional. So... I think you have to be mindful of that and, you know, you need to have... I feel like it would be like a, like a clear the set kind of scene, like get rid of, you know how they do like for, Mm. for intimate scenes, maybe like the the actors may request everyone else Mm -hmm. leave except for the essentials. You need a a racial coordinator? Yes. I'd be like, clear the set, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Even though you're making movies can be seen by, you know, for everybody, but still... I think the thing is, is you got to have, and I hope that they do this, you you get everybody together and you have a discussion and you, you got to be a, a strong director or whatever. I don't know the other people, unit director or AD or whatever. And tell these people like, hey man, like you need to be, you need to be on your mark, but you also need to be sensitive and ready if people start feeling stuff that you're not, that you're able to be like, okay, cool. Let's take a step back. Because some people might start feeling stuff. And then afterwards, you need to kind of like, I don't know, not not debrief, but kind of like a, a decompression. Yeah. Like you, you got to on set have some sort of decompression. I don't know if that's a joke or whatever, but I hope they do that type of stuff because, man, just coming and being like, okay, good, that's a wrap, you know? And it's just like you did this scene where you're just like bludgeoning this dude halfway to death and saying N-word over and over again. Their face is all battered and bruised. Right. And you're like, all right, lunch. You know, it's kind of That's like, not what happened in this you movie. Go, no, no, no. But uh, yeah, I've seen those type yeah. of movies. So my hat goes off to these white actors that have to do these type of things because I remember I saw a movie with Jay, Jamie Lee Curtis. She was a police officer. And 
not the thin blue line. I don't remember what it was. I was young and one of her, her coworkers had raped her. And I remember I'd see that actor in other movies and I was like, I hate that guy. Oh. And it was just the actor. Oh. Like it was just like, I hate that guy. Walter Peck from Ghostbusters. Every time I see that guy, I'm like, ah, oh, I hate that guy. Like it's easier now. I'm like older, but like when I, when I was younger and then also it didn't help because he kept playing the same character, but you know, I would be very afraid of either being typecast or being seen as like that, or you did that too well, you know? Right. Exactly. You, you put <laughs> too seemed, much into that. It seemed like it came easy right. for you. That you know? was, uh, right. So yeah, that's hard. That's, uh, oof. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. No, mm-mm. I would play, you know, I'd play some Southern white guy, but not the clan Southern white guy. No. That's not me. I would not play a clan Southern white guy either. As a woman? As a woman. You'd put a mustache up, yeah, let's go get him. <laughs> like, uh. No. You'd get beat up for other reasons like that. Yeah. That's the other thing about, we were talking about this, about the, the clan. <laughs> Speaking of the clan, it's just interesting to see like how much, how much hatred they can have, you know, and then try to like claim Jesus and try to claim like loving, you know, standing up for their race when I'm like, I I don't know. It just seems like anytime I see stories about them, they're like are horrible to their children and beat their wives and all these things. So I'm like, if you respect these white women so much, like why are you attacking them? Why are you belittling them? Why don't you let them have like their own, agendas and thoughts and points of view but you know maybe i'm seeing it from a bigoted point of view (laughs) excuse me the black guy but it's just kind of funny so we've covered uh racism death penalty we haven't fixed any of them the clan we covered them yeah walton goggins Goggins. i think i think we hit everything (laughs) not much of the movie but definitely those those great movie like we said in our other podcast, if we released it before this one, and you've listened to that one also, the uh, the uh, true story movies are uh, a little bit more interesting to talk about. Not more interesting. They they unfurl a lot yeah, more than yeah. just the movie. Yes, there's a lot more that goes into this. Yeah, so it's, it's hard uh, to stay on topic of yeah, the movie. It's hard to just. I mean, how can you only just talk about the movie? Yeah, they were all amazing. Well, por- well, well acted. Mm-hmm. I think everyone did a great job. Brie Larson and her hair. And her uh, uh, 80s jeans. What was that? It was very much um, the chick on the OJ trial. Yes. Well, yeah. not as curly, but yes. Really? Not as curly no, as hers? No. Oh, okay. Marsha Clark? Marsha Clark, that was some curly hair. But, oh, okay. But uh, definitely some big curly hair. Candidate. Yeah. Almost like, um, what's his name? Face cheek meat. Yeah. We've ta- we talked about cheek meat. Mm. <laughs> I just thought about that. <laughs> I just thought about that with David Chang when he got, I think it's David Chang and Ugly Delicious and they give the cheek meat. Oh, no, no, that was the other guy. Um, I don't remember. The short, uh, heavyset, bald guy. They say, they said like the cheek, cheek meat in Morocco is like the thing you give to a a, a visitor or a guest. Oh, that's the it's choice. Like the, it's the choice meat. So, no, I want cheek meat. No, sorry. Not Michael B. Jordan cheek meat. No, or Kanye's. Or Kanye. You guys are safe. Yeah, for now. We're not coming for your cheeks. Once the apocalypse comes, <laughs> we'll see. I'm coming to I'm coming to I'm gonna fly to Wyoming right. and then take one of those giant ATVs. Michael B might owns. be closer if he lives Maybe. in LA. Maybe. Oh, one last thing. We won't hurt your boy, Janera. Our That's niece right. is uh in love with Michael B. Michael yeah. B, you're invited on the podcast anytime. <laughs> um 
Uh, one thing I was thinking about is like, uh, as we're trying to close out, but we keep not, um, the problem with having to try to stay alive and out of jail, but also trying to protect yourself. So like we were saying, um, Brian got pulled over, at least in this movie, he got pulled over, you know, he got threatened in different various ways. And, you know, I think about what I would do in the South if I was threatened. Like I lived in the South, was rarely threatened in, in a harsh way. Um, we did a Martin Luther King rally, rally and some Klansmen showed up with guns and they caught him before they came out. But I've never been personally uh, threatened. Never had a gun to your well, head. Yeah, but to my head. I almost had a gun pulled on me, but I had a, to be honest, I had a pellet gun and they thought it was a real gun. So, um, but to be in a situation where you can't, you want to protect yourself, but you can't protect yourself because as we know, an unarmed black man is quote unquote dangerous. And then an armed black man is even twice as dangerous. So if someone's trying to threaten your life and then you buy a gun, then that makes you look even more threatening. <laughs> and so it just right. becomes this cycle of, of, of problems. And so, you know, it, it's just a weird thing that happens within the justice system where people are put in situations where they want to protect themselves, but they are also not trusted. So then they are not allowed to have firearms. So then having firearms subsequently lands them in jail or murdered. Um, and so it's just like this weird vicious cycle. And so it always reminds me um, of the MF Doom uh, potholders quote that says, some say the price of holding heat is too high. Either you're in a coffin or you're the new guy. And so it's like in that situation, like he could have got a gun to protect himself, but then he would be more threatening. Depending on what the laws are in that area, it could be illegal for him to carry a firearm. So it's just a weird situation when you have people wanting to kill you and they have all the power or possibly kill you or threaten you. And you have no power to really do anything about it because... They make the rules. I want to know what Brian's mama was up to. There's uh, a whole scene where she, oh yeah, she yeah. says, "I'm proud of you," but I'm scared. Basically, she says, "I'm proud of you, but I'm scared for you. Why are you going to this place? Yeah, that is going to be so dangerous for you." And she wasn't wrong. Nope. He I got don't. out alive, or he's still there. Yeah, I'm. I don't know where he is now, but I think he's still there. I think they're still doing that. But um, but his mom. I I wondered that throughout the movie, like how often he was talking to his mom. All oh, right, because she wasn't brought up again. Right. Yeah, we didn't see her again. So I was like, oh, is he calling her every week or like giving her, like, did he call her after he got pulled over and a gun shoved in his? Like I would, you, right? You would. Well, you know, you'd call you. You go through something. You know, he seemed like he might want to call Oof. his mom. That sounds like a that sounds like a worry worry party. I don't you think you just you if something happened to you. Would you call your mom? I think I would give my mom like the heads up at least. I don't know. I I would have to be in that situation, but I would at least be like, hey, you know, it's, it's really tough here. These cops kind of crazy. So you know, that's true. If he anything weird, if true. anything weird happens, like do not. I and this is you know this is probably even more troubling. But going, I feel like detail makes it even worse. But I would just be like, hey, if anything happens, like get down here as soon as possible and do not let them like um, cremate me or right. <laughs> you know, just like it was foul play. Right. You know, I think that's something I think most people should say if they ever threatened or whatever. Oh, right, right. Like let people know like, hey, 
If I end up in a weird so car wanted, accident. He maybe, maybe he called his mom, but he just didn't tell her why. Yeah, maybe. He just wanted to talk to her. Yeah, he could have he could have told her why or give her a cryptic kind of message. But I think being like, hey, mom, I just want to let you know this has been crazy. Like, they put a gun to the back of my head. And blah, like, that would that's freak. True, that's true. That would freak her out. You know, out. like, those details would freak yeah. the person out, you know. Yeah. But that must have been hard for her. Yeah. That would be interesting. Something to look into. All right. But yeah, just cause, just just mercy, just mercy, just cause is another movie. Is it just cause? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's another like. I don't know what it is. Is it another court? Or is that movie? a game? I you, just put just case. just case. <laughs> just cause. I'm like, is that a video game? Oh, adaptation ah, thriller. Sean Connery. Back in the day, video oh, hits. Lured into defending a death row inmate. Yeah, I knew it was some sort of similar thing. Blair Underwood. See? White Savior. Right. Um, yeah. This, this one wasn't McConaughey. This was Yeah, there's Connery. a, there's a, a kajillion of these movies. Right. Um, but yeah, Just Mercy. Um, go see it. It's a very powerful film. Don't be afraid of it, please. Yeah, don't be afraid. There's so many. There's you know, so we many told people. you a lot I, of it, so maybe you've already seen it. But. Yeah. I will say generally most of the Caucasian people I meet when there's something about black issues or black people and it's not like choirs and robes. <laughs> most of the time people are like, it's good. Like if it's not like a gospel choir, it's like, oh no, this is going to be heavy. And it's like, hey man, you know, it's heavy. It's part of, this is a part of history. Yeah. Like you go, you'll go and watch war films and whatnot. And like this is another tough thing about the history of, the United States and America. Look, so, this movie was good. It was hard to watch a lot of it. Um, but it, but I don't regret seeing it. <laughs> and I think it's important for people to see stories like this. Yeah. And to keep telling stories like this. Yep. Be an orator. So um, with that. We'll see you on the, on the next one. We'll see you on the next one. Which might be. I don't know what's coming next. Well, we watched the second movie. Oh, Underwater. Underwater. Yeah. 1917's coming up. Yep, we're on our way to go see 1917. So yep. we got to run, but uh, hopefully this is um, giving you some thoughts, and we'd like to know your thoughts. So um, if email we have a comment, yeah, email us, or if we have a comment section, do we have? It'll a be in section? the. It'll be. It'll. It'll be in the in the notes. Um, yeah. Find us on Instagram. We yeah. have one of those now. We have one. Yeah, I'll add it later, I guess. <laughs> what it's, is our Instagram? Wait, you already know our Instagram. It's is. Hey, We Just Saw a Movie. Oh, it is? We yeah, got it? We got All right, it. Cool. Hey, yeah, We Just that's Saw a Movie. We're still putting this together, guys. Like, you're going to be like, why are they yammering about the stuff? It's early stages. You know, we're wobbling like a little baby. Hey, we're not Mark Marin. Yeah, we're, we're just we're wobbling with our baby feet. Right. And we look like Deadpool right now with the baby feet, but the human body. <laughs> That's how we are. So <laughs> with that, you know, hopefully you'll keep listening and um, and all that good stuff. Let us know what you think uh, on Instagram and in the comments of whatever, whatever we Wherever put you listen to in this. the notes. Yeah. Uh, it's five stars, 25 stars, you know, all that good stuff. Bye. Bye.